This is the one with shingle monsters. And the doctor. The local village space scientist. And the doctor. Bagel's portable computer. And another doctor. It's called the Three Doctors. Here, Here we, we go. go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalek boot, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Back when subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than back when? Back when. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to C zero sixty five of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast or Dogcast. That that lovely interrupter uh, voice that you hear was interrupter. Leon. Yeah, <laughs> that lovely interrupting voice is what I meant to say. <laughs> is none other than Punk and say hello, Punk. Hello, Pong. <laughs> uh, and I'm Nick. How are you doing, expect guys? Expect that level of humour. Yeah. <laughs> coursing through the veins of this episode. So we're, I mean, we're definitely both a little tired on a Thursday night, but we've got these delightful uh, Hawaiian screwdrivers. Yes, we do. That, <laughs> that Leon has made. Other, uh, so, so that's vodka and pineapple juice. Yeah. But Leon is also supplementing. I'm, al- I'm also quadruple fisting the Tesco brand Red Bull... <laughs> copy i mean they've just flat out ripped it off uh, it's called blue spark <laughs> so, this, this episode brought to you by, by blue spark by tesco blue spark expects the velocity of my speech to increase gradually during this recording i'm really sorry at tony Depp. <laughs> so momentous occasion ladies and gentlemen yes we have reached the 10th anniversary special yeah and year. also the season 10 opener yes yeah so appropriate and it features Three doctors. Wait, say what now? Three doctors. Oh, thank you. I genuinely couldn't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, uh, do, do you also get a little bit of a tingle in your nethers when you think about how we've ploughed through a decade of of who? It does feel good to know that you know this is now a fifth of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I, I mean. I did. I, we'll, we'll get into this, but I, it feels special. It feels as special as when we watched the fiftieth. It felt great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Do you also, because this is an anniversary episode, do you also find yourself sort of slightly more accepting of its flaws? Yes. Like a good Christmas episode, or like an anniversary episode, I'm a bit like they have okay. license to. Screw yeah. Up. Or the first of a Doctor's run. A little bit of license. A little bit of leeway. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. But. With that in mind, let's jump into a bite-sized chunk of who. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the blue spark. I can already <laughs> feel it. <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, clarify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. A black hole appears, and a beam of condensed light, or a rainbow road or something like that, shoots out of it, thus consuming Gallifrey's energy little by little, and sending some kind of powerful organism thing to hunt the Doctor on Earth. The Time Lords and Gallifrey come up with an ingenious plan to provide the Doc with some backup. Now joined by his two prior incarnations, Doc and Cole must travel through the black hole into an antimatter universe to confront a very disgruntled civil engineer with a comedically sized helmet and a rather limited imagination. Hilarity ensues. Peace out over. You are welcome. Aren't you just? Holy smoke, Aroonies. And sit with me, Nick. 
Cheesecakes. Yes. Oh, man, Tesco, you make the best energy drinks. This is, I'm going to get more increasingly tired, and you're going to just be like, I'm doing laps around my limp body by the end of this. I'm going to need you to keep it to a seven. Okay, <laughs> I apologize for that. You know, bucks, like money, bucks. Yes. Person, yeah, so imagine you set that on fire and you, like, you just run electricity through it. I feel like a million of those. <laughs> What does that mean? Uh, which is fitting. So start us off with a question, because what did this episode, what did this serial mean? Oh, I have, I've actually written that this is in a time before energy drinks. I had the wherewithal to write five potential intro questions. Five potential? Okay. I don't so, know where to begin. I've got, I've, I have tons of questions about this episode. Like one of those episodes that restarts. You know, those, those, you know, it's a bit of a trope in sci-fi that restarts because of some, like a groundhog day scenario. Yeah. There was one recently in the new Star Trek. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, the time loop. Let's do that. Let's start five times with your introductory questions. <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. Okay. Hit me with number one. All right. Number one. <laughs> okay, question number one. Are we to believe that the Brigadier never, ever peeked inside the TARDIS? That's a serious question. I, I, actually, that took me, that definitely took me back, and, and um, Benton, for that matter. Yeah. I was sat there like... Well, you never... we can sort of get, because no, he's... Still, I mean, like, he have been sat in unit for ages. Yeah, like... often with the door open, by the way. And and occasionally the doc pops in to tinker about and stuff, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. And try to get it working. Yeah, no, I didn't didn't like that. Why would you not? We didn't That's need really them weird. to... I'd prefer them to have just gone, yeah, this is the TARDIS. Oh, shit, it works. It does... That would have been better. Yeah. That it goes somewhere. Yeah. And it wasn't just a big trick with mirrors. It, it It's like a functioning thing. I guess so, yeah. But then actually, they've fucking seen it. They do... In, um, in, with Troughton era. Were they ever inside it, though? No, but they've seen it. They know oh, they have it does seen stuff. It. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they've seen the TARDIS. It's not like he goes like, wait, hang on, when did you put a blue box in this room? Did they ever go inside it? It's like the, the it's field. bigger on the inside. It's that aspect of it that I feel they really ought to know. Because the first thing that happens if you put a massive blue box from a different planet that they know travels through space and time and contains lots of alien technology, you put that in, as he even says, a top-secret military facility... Mm. That's that's a quote from the serial. Surely there's just some standard HR protocol that says for health and safety reasons we got to have a peek inside, <laughs> right? Or for health and safety reasons you must Don't. never touch it. Oh no! Oh no! That's how HR works. Oh, it's not, it's, <laughs> damn you, HR! You found my Achilles heel. This is yeah. No, no. You know what? I buy it. Yeah, I buy it. Fair enough. Yeah. Have you got any more first questions? Yeah. Oh, dude! So I have a question for you. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me. We should have that music from the radio in Grand Dog Day every single time. Yes. Okay, so did you ever expect to see all three docs in the intro sequence? You know, the intro animation where we see Pertwee's face, mm. right? Did you ever think that maybe we're going to see all three? Like for episodes two, three, and four at the very least? No, no, I didn't. I thought that would have been probably a bit too, like, cerebral. You know, it is the opening of the 10th season and all that, and this is more gimmicky than it is plot useful. It's just more of a... We'll see if we can chunk them all in for the 10th anniversary. Okay. So I, no, it wasn't something that crossed my mind necessarily. Okay. I hadn't thought about it until episode one came up. Mm. And as in until the intro animation came up. It was like literally within seconds you see Pertwee's face. And there was a moment where I thought like, oh, wait, are we going to see the face morph into like, you know, Hartnell and Troughton? Are they going to do something like that? And they're like, no, no, we don't. And I was a li- just a teeny tiny little bit disappointed. Oh. First question? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I heard it. No. 
Okay, in the whole the dark side of my mind sequence, you remember that? Yeah. What? <laughs> Which what? is just like, can we just say that that is the what the fuck <laughs> moment the of this fuck? serial? <laughs> I didn't come into my mind where we will do cartwheels on yeah, a black. Yeah. <laughs> just a... FYI, I'm I'm a Morlock. Uh, <laughs> That's gonna be my, that was my question. Is I mean, is is that Omega without his mask? Well, so I had imagined. That when because I was like, what the fuck is that? And then later on in the fourth episode where they take off his mask, I thought yeah. that's what they see, and they're like, ah, fuck, um, or even know, worse, or even like, worse, in a sense. But he, I was like, I, I, I honestly didn't understand that, and I really didn't understand why they just repeated the footage three times or, uh, or like, the, the same two, cartwheel, the same like judo cartwheel, yeah, yeah, like, exactly, sorry, uh, cartwheel, not a roly poly, exactly. Uh, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you've had enough. This like, doesn't help of me. This like, and also, do you want to see more of that face? Yeah, you want to see more of it because up until now you've just seen that comedic, really impractical helmet. Like, no wonder every arch is really tall. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you have to crouch all I'd, the time. I'd, I mean, we're getting off. You've got more questions, right? But like, so you're going to build a helmet? Cool. Yeah. Helmet shields you from stuff. Great. Awesome. Why does it need giant prongs? Like, surely it just needs to cover your face and nothing else because everything else is a wasted mask. Uh, I've got more questions about <laughs> about all this stuff because everything that is in there is just a figment of his imagination, basically. Right? Like, we, no, no, that's a rich vein that we're okay, going okay, to have to get Okay, okay, let's put a pin on that. We will revisit it. <laughs> However, do you think the face that we see in the dark side of my mind sequence, again, what the fuck, do you think that that is how he imagines the damage has affected him? I think that's like him on a really good day. Oh, really? <laughs> That's him. <laughs> hairs, on, <laughs> hairs on fleek, nails are fresh. Wait, hairs on fleek. Oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I saw that he had combed his face flaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were all perfectly aligned. <laughs> he, like, weirdly skips and, like, does T-Rex arms. Like, what the fuck is your deal, man? Just stand up straight. Hey, do you want a first question? Just to uh, set us off. Yeah, start us off. <laughs> Skipping to the end, just briefly. We're going to come back to the beginning in a moment. At the end, the black hole, it closes or whatever it does. Mm. And it, it, it shoots out whatever, it, in whatever manner it closes, it apparently recharges all of Gallifrey's iPhones. Like every, uh, they just all of a sudden go, we have so much power. Like we've got tons of power now. Yeah. And he says, once again, it was Omega who did this. Like just like before he gave us something, he closed the, like he closed himself off in the antimatter universe. And he gave us something, mm. i.e. the knowledge of time travel, or the ability to travel through time. Now he oh, has super given... super big question right there, but go on. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get... <laughs> we're, we will get to it. And this time he gave us lots of energy, right? It's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So how the fuck does the Time Lord know that it was Omega? He doesn't know what's going on in the antimatter universe. Well, he no, just no, knows no, that no, there's no, a beam no. that's shooting in he draining does know. rifles. He does know. How? Because of, um, of the First Doctor. Who... Has not seen... Well, I mean, at least he has knowledge because of from the other Doctors. And really? they mind meld. Oh, they do mind yeah, meld. But wait, 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 wait. Oh, yeah, you're right. Shit. Yeah, it's watertight, man. But, oh. but, but what's worse, though, yeah. is that it's like, look, we stopped this failed intergalactic terrorist. Thanks, guy. <laughs> 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 like, no, he, he, was, he bid to destroy you. <laughs> I don't care if he was a nice guy once upon a time, but fuck this guy now. <laughs> you know what? You brought up the Star Trek Discovery episode. Yeah. That felt a little bit, for the same reason it was disappointing as the end of that Star Trek Discovery episode. Where it's like, no, this guy has literally killed you 50 or 60 times. Don't set him off on his honeymoon. Yeah. Incarcerate him. Do something horrible to the man. <laughs> 
Anyway, yeah, whatever. Spoilers for Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is way. Do we need to somehow bing bong that shit? I like it. I liked it as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming around to the thing. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Do you want a just first question? Put just your to start us off. little hand in my. <laughs> oh, stretches in yeah, the morning. Definitely right. find that sound bite wherever it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm popping it in. If you met yourself, like if you met past incarnations of you know, let's say you're a time lord you mm. mean past incarnations of yourself would you at any point i mean like, things would get sexual right almost immediately yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah if i've ever wanted to fuck someone it's definitely me yeah <laughs> right same here i mean me you know it, yeah this is that guy knows great. what i like exactly <laughs> immediately Im- yes ASAP and make the third one watch by 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 like <laughs> satellite hookup stuck in his time Eddie <laughs> old me <laughs> god what are you guys doing <laughs> don't change over don't look away <laughs> From that very classy and respectful reference <laughs> to William Hartnell, shall we maybe segue into talking about William Hartnell? Yeah. This was not only his last appearance on Doctor Who, this was his last appearance on screen. Oh, right. Unfortunately, he passed away shortly after this. His role was meant to be a little bit bigger. Right. They deliberately cut it down. Because he was advanced in years. And- yeah, apparently his, his wife told the BBC, no, this is a little bit too much for him. His memory isn't what it used to be. Make it a little bit whatever. So they, they wrote in this aspect of the, the space eddy or the time eddy. See, that's a good idea because they could have recorded a relatively small amount of footage yeah. and then have all the actors interact with it. Yeah. That's genius. It is genius. Yeah, really. And much. it was, it, I, I think it was a lovely, I mean, the BBC could have just said, well, this seems like too much of a hassle. Which is so two doctors. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But they didn't. And it is wonderful. So nice to see William Hartnell again. Also, I really liked his interplay as the, like, the super ego, the, like, parental force, the the supervising figure. Agreed. Mm. Clearly the more mature of the three. Yeah. Advancing one doctor, Troughton. Mm. Hum, hum. I think with Pertwee as a foil, he came off worse for me. Really? Yeah, I think so. Even though he's more of the three we've had so far, he has been my favourite. Oh, oh yeah, because yeah. you think Pertwee's a little bit too bondy. I think he's too bondy, but I think that they made him a bit clown. I mean, actually, he came into his four in the later episodes of this serial were actually, you know, but they the sort of clownesque portion. He didn't like. <laughs> He was much of a clown, much as in, clown. in during his run, he was a very he was a bit of a buffoon. He was a bit of a buffoon, but then in this they sort of didn't give him the other side because he was a buffoon, but then he was also like you know amazing and clever and, and yeah. all these sort of things. Whereas yeah, um, he versus Pertwee, he was just like oh, silly man. Oh, you know? I, I thought that those two were wonderful sparring partners. Yeah. No, 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 they were, but I just compared to you was Pertwee all of a sudden. Like the straight man yeah. to Troughton's clown. Exactly, exactly. Um, and for me, I don't know, I just don't, I never liked seeing Troughton come off second best. Aww. I love that man. Aww. He was great. Yeah, he is great. I loved seeing Troughton as well. With all respect, in their respective performance, mm. you could tell that Hartnell had aged in that the catchphrase is the hmm mm. and the a, like at, at the end of sentences. Yeah. He was still saying them, but they did not sound the same. Like before, when he would go, like, oh, that's that's ingenious, isn't it? Hmm? Isn't it? Hmm? Troughton sounded virtually the same. Troughton absolutely nails the best line in this whole fucking serial. He said, oh, my giddy aunt. Well, no, th- that was a great one, too. Yeah. I did actually Which make he a mental note of that. But the legendary, oh, so you've redecorated. Oh, yeah. 
I don't like it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. What a guy. It's so good. Oh, the Trojan is such a dude. Uh, don't they redo that in the 50th as a quote? I feel like one Something of the, like, I feel like that, Tennant yeah, when the, says that to, to Smith. To Smith. That rings a bell. I, I don't know if maybe that's now a fabricated memory in my brain hole, but I, I feel like I, I remember that, yes. Yeah. But yeah, saying that, we were talking in, about the TARDIS in the last review that we did. Which one was that again? That was the... Time, time Monster? Time, time Monster. monster. It, that we had a, a new TARDIS interior, which then broke. No one liked it, really. It got destroyed the in storage. Bowl one. Exactly. Now we have yet another TARDIS. Different console, different... No more salad bowls. Different time plunger. Different time plunger, Yes. <laughs> Good technical term. No more salad bowls. Do you like it? Yeah. Is it better than the last one? Yeah. As in the one, the the singularity one. The one that was just one. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was better than that. Oh, much better. Yeah. I was not a fan. Weirdly, for Time Monster, you popped this on Facebook. Mm. Uh, and, I mean, you popped the Time Monster episode. Like, hey, what do you guys think of the Time Monster, I think? Or you popped that on Facebook. Mm. And I recall someone writing... My favorite iteration of the TARDIS. Mm. You idiots. Have you not seen the one? <laughs> wow. the, have you not seen the one of the three doctors? It is infinitely superior. It is much nicer. <laughs> really like this one. Yeah. Um, okay. Are you done with your first questions? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go in a weird direction. Oh, hit me. Should Why? I take off my shirt for this one? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not wearing a shirt. Why no Delgado? Hmm. For the anniversary. Right? Yeah. Master versus the three doctors. Maybe there could be three masters. Do you know what I mean like... Yeah, I know. I know. There was a moment when I thought that maybe they would bring in Delgado. There's a line in episode one or episode two, the Time Lords, when yeah. they're talking to each other and they say like, oh, there is one genius behind this. Mm. I was like, oh, that is clearly the master, right? But, but no. I think we get one more Delgado serial. And I'm kind of happy that we're not done with Delgado yet. Yeah. Like, I'm just happy that there's more of him coming. I see what you're saying, though. That would have been this... quite a delicious, like, three doctors, one master. Do you think that maybe they wanted Omega? Omega? Omega, they say. In the legends of your people, I am called Omega. Omega. Omega? Omega. No, Omega. Omega. See, I I would just say Omega. Omega. I think on the Omega. other side. I think on the other side of the pond, people say Omega. No, wait, hang on. You wish to fight the will of Omega. Omega. They Omega. Say. What, what is James Bond's watch called? Is that an Omega or an o- Omega? See, I've always said the Alpha and Omega. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same here. Yeah. But then in this serial, they were like o- Omega. In my notes, I wrote like, Omega Gersperms because I feel like this sounds really weird. Anyway, whatever. Do you think that maybe they thought? Maybe he can be like a new master, like he is also a time lord. Whenever they kill him off, or they're supposed to have. He returns. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I know that, but he returns like... in a Fifth Doctor serial. Then he returns in, I want to say, comic book form, he should and in turn audiobook. Up in New Who. Yeah, with this ridiculous helmet. In the Fifth Doctor one, he looks completely different. By the way, mm. like totes my lots different. CMD. Does he have a, he have a smaller hat? <laughs> He has, I, I'm assuming it's a, another helmet. I don't know. It looks biological in a weird way. It's still huge. I've seen, I think I've seen a still um, of that one. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I do like the hat, the, the helmet. It does look quite menacingly regal. <laughs> it's just too big, man. Uh, okay, so I, I wrote down some stuff about Omega. Shall we jump into trivia land for Omega, Omega, Let's. Omega? 
check this out. First off, I already said he's going to return in the Fifth Doctor serial. It's, it's called The Ark of Infinity. He's going to return in one audio adventure called Intervention Earth. In that one, he is played by the same actor who plays him in this one, a chap named Stephen Thorne, whom we have encountered in Classic Who before. Ooh. Was his voice familiar to you? It was. I did not pick this up. I read this. I mean, it seemed familiar in the way that all 70s British actors sound relatively <laughs> familiar, but can't. <laughs> he was Azal in The Daemons. He was The Daemon. Oh, shit. This is the guy, and I wonder if maybe they popped a helmet on his face to hide the fact that he just, like, that's Azal, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, I would definitely be able to pick Azal out of a lineup. <laughs> You know. He doesn't have the horns, but he's still got the, I don't know, bone hey, structure. Hey, Azal. Hey, 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 hey. Are you Azal? You're Azal, yeah. aren't you? Guys, it's Azal. And he's just like insane to breathe, trying to buy like sugar and milk. <laughs> I hate it when this happens. Honey, get the creme fraiche. We've got to get out of here. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. Sorry, I'm Bok. I'm Bok. Uh, Stephen Thorne will return in Frontier in Space as the first Ogron. Sorry, as first Ogron, which I think means first as in... There's like Ogron 1, oh, yeah, Ogron shit, 2. yeah, the Ogrons turn up again. Yeah, oh. in Frontier and Space. I'm super thrilled that we're going to get Ogrons again. And he's also going to uh, return in The Hand of Fear as Eldrad. So, l- looking Everyone. forward to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Voice like a... I'd say angel, but the, literally no. the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Voice like a daemon. <laughs> yep, that's it. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk... Where were we? Let's talk mythology then. Okay. Because this is quite a nice, you know, New Who really takes advantage of Gallifreyan mythology, you know, or, or, or you know. Oh, we get so much of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, there's a time war and this is the last time war and blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah. And so we get what is essentially a genus level, you know, what they call him a solar engineer. Yes. Who engineers the supernova that creates this black hole so that there's enough energy so everyone can be traveling about time is that what he did so he literally just charged everyone's tardises that i mean that's i, d- all I he don't did. know what the fuck the interplay is but he does specifically say before me no 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 all you couldn't like fuck off around time yeah exactly oh now Potka. where did you all get your names Yes. So, <laughs> so, so time this, lords. Is, this is the first serial in which the term Time Lords uh, appears. Well, uh, according to trivia, I'm, Mike, I've written this question to you as well. Actually, that should have been one of the first questions. Haven't we heard that before? No, that's bullshit. I feel like, we, I feel like we've... Uh, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll do a blue spark in vodka. No, you know why that is bullshit? Is the first Pertwee episode, minimum... They yeah. talk about the two hearts and the blue blood and all that sort of shit. And that he's, I think he's a time lord. I'm sure they talk about it. See, again, this may be a, one of those weird fabricated memory things. But either we have had the term time lord before, in which case Todd's wiki is wrong. Or what we have had before is the term Gallifreyan. Oh, maybe. And Gallifrey as the... Or Gallifrey, sorry. As a planet. No, don't they talk about the Time Lords and them sorting out, like, you know, when he can do stuff and when they take him on a mission and Katie Manning's always like, who's doing this? And I go, it's the Time Lords. It's the Time Lords. Oh, f- Isn't that right? Shit, you know what? You're told my lords right. You know what? Tardis we- Wikia, where do you get the nerve? Tardis Wiki is <laughs> trying to gaslight us. Uh, hang on, sound of the Tesco Blue Spark clacks on, because I'm, <laughs> I'm opening the second... <laughs> Shit, is going up another gear, ladies. <laughs> That's like half vodka. Half vodka, half I'm going to be spark. sleepy happy. <laughs> <laughs> what, dude, I'm, it's not like I'm draining you of energy. I'm not 
Omegaing you. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting my energy from the thing. Anyway, yeah, hang on. So what are we talking? Yeah, so yeah. Wait, wait, I was saying. Yeah. What were you called? New, new hall. New. Oh right, yeah. Well, there is a line in this one, towards the end, like episode four, where Omega, Omega, whatever, says, you and your bros, you went off and became Time Lords, and I was stuck here, and before that, I suspect they were just Gallifreyans. No, no, but he, he keeps calling them brother Time Lords and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think that's he? just because, like, hey, screw you, screw you, I'm I'm one of you as well. Mm, I think the I line, you... Uh, see, I think I, it's a fluff. Right. I think, maybe there was this was a mistake in the first draft of the script... Someone caught it, and they go, okay, this is sci-fi. Easy explanation. <laughs> Make it wibbly-wobbly. A wizard did it. <laughs> <laughs> and thus, that line in episode three or four was punched in. They, they just say, like, oh, well, you and your if you know peers, you went off and became Time Lords. Mm. You were not Time Lords before. And I guess you could have different readings of it. Like, you were Time Lords before, but be, you were actually able to practice being a Time Lord rather than, like, theoretical Time Lords. You were practical Time Lords. Whereas the other... Re- before, they were just spacious cupboards. <laughs> <laughs> they had no tar- They had tortoises, but yeah, they just like, did nothing. No, no, it was just... No, a, they transported through space. It was just a cupboard that was like, uh, check out this lovely walk-in wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> 3,000 square feet. <laughs> Being a real estate agent on Gallifrey. Gallifrey. Must be the easiest job in the world. <laughs> what an easy gig. Except you have so much competition as well. That's true. She's like, oh yeah, this is uh, a lovely one bed fat. It's uh, the size of Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, we got it. Uh, All right. <sighs> So anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I'm, I'm, I'm not buying that as a flop. Okay, fine. That's summa summarum. Okay, more things then. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. Right. So, I dare you to find a flaw in this. <laughs> so, <laughs> you are a civilization, an unnamed civilization. Yep. Right, and you have some description of power infrastructure project going on. Yeah. And there's a very talented civil engineer that's going to help you implement your power. Structure. Just one, by the way. Just one. We're just well, going to send one, one dude. guy, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, but wait, I mean, how many time lords does it take us through in a light bulb, right? Like, it's like <laughs> we're sending one time lord to do this one thing that will change our entire civilization. You don't even send... Not just like, ours, but the galaxy, the, the universe. universe. and all of time and space And every iteration of every universe. One dude. One dude. He doesn't get an assistant. He doesn't even okay, get like okay. an intern next day no, no, holding let's, a wrench. Let's, let's not worry about the actual oh. thing, but I'm just going to say talk <laughs> as an analogy, right? Yeah. So we're a civilization. Yep. There's a power plant or we need something, right? Mm-hmm. We send one dude. Yep. And So far I'm buying it. And he, you know, makes, he, he does whatever he needs to do, the connections, makes the, the power thing, and then dies in the attempt. Yeah. <laughs> is he a hero for all, to, uh, all eternity? Yeah. Or is he slightly incompetent? <laughs> oh. Okay. Did he die from negligence, or did he get trapped into this because right, he was right. uh, negligent? Okay, so uh, alternate theory... Health and safety is what I'm trying to say. Alternate theory. So the parallel that I'm going to draw is, if you recall in Web of Fear, there was one guy who ran the entire BBC news department <laughs> yes, or something. Yes. <laughs> Colin here. <laughs> Colin here from BBC Everything. The C stands for Colin. <laughs> The, the British Broadcasting College. <laughs> okay, so 
I'm going to draw the parallel to him because I I figure just like the BBC at the time were like, Colin, you bring everyone coffee. You stay in London while we, the rest of us <laughs> evacuate and you run the BBC and everyone else, like, they're, they're now just happy and sorry somewhere, just sort of chuckling, going, yeah. fucking Colin. In, in the and same by the way, way, Colin, I've counted the paperclips, all right? <laughs> <laughs> there should be 27 paperclips yeah. when I get back. <laughs> Now, go and film some TV episodes with this audio recorder, <laughs> as I believe was the case in mm. Web of Fear. Anyway, so I reckon there's a good chance, like a pretty healthy chance, that the rest of the Time Lords were like, whoever flips the switch is going to get stuck in the anti <laughs> universe. We Not it. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to send lots of us in there, because, you know, we're great. <laughs> Let's send one dude. <laughs> hey, Omega. No, no, not you, Epsilon. Omega. <laughs> Come over here. We've got a super special job for you. <laughs> yeah. I reckon he was just collateral damage. They're like, we need to flip a switch. It's going to cost a time lot. Send a dude. Send some dude we don't really care that much about. And then he sacrifices himself for it unknowingly. But unwittingly. Then they, like I said, then they love him for generations. Or yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, it was a great thing. Right? I mean, uh, whatever. You know, the Romans crucified Jesus, but there are tons of Catholics in Italy. <laughs> I don't know. What? <laughs> Is that the same? Is that the same? Does Jesus give people the ability to time travel? Because <laughs> I get, I understand the appeal a bit more now. You are leaving that in. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh wow. Maybe I, I shouldn't have more of that stuff. It's so good, though. It's really good. Um, so I'm going to run home. <laughs> <laughs> I am home. I'm going to run to yours and back again. <laughs> okay. So yeah, either that or I have no other theory. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And also like when the doctors uh, are pleading with them to not, you know, murder them and then go back to the matter universe and yeah. murder everyone else. Do you mean before they have the... Oh, actually, I have a couple of questions about when that. They, when they interact with Omega for the first time and he's like, I hate the Time Lords. They abandoned me. And Yeah. Is uh, this pre or post? You have no face, buddy. Pre. Pre. Very okay. much pre. Okay. Because um, they're like, well, no, you're actually very revered on Gallifrey, etc., whatever. Yeah. Oh, and he says... Yeah, exactly. And he's yeah, just yeah. like, nah, fuck it. This is the you went away and became Time Lord scene. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I guess maybe he's just gone loop-de-loo, right? Okay, That's exactly fair what's enough, happened. Fair enough, fair enough. He's, he's just gone like, insane in Has he spent, I mean, millennia. Uh, virtually a, an eternity? Okay, right, there. Just that, going nuts. This is a great fucking Sieg. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great Sieg. Is that, so he's spent eternity in a place. Yeah. I mean, you know, quote-unquote eternity. Quote-unquote eternity yeah. in a place. Yeah. That bends its very being to your will. Yep, this is... Yeah, I've, I've got copious opinions about this. <laughs> <laughs> what does that look like for you, Leon? Well, first of all, there's going to be one room. The, there are going to be three corridors, and I'm constantly going to be wearing a helmet. <laughs> okay, because <clears throat> so, so, for me, yeah. I want the place to be full of bubbles. Not like lovely, fluffy bubbles, but like... But like, like herpes boils. Pus like, bubbles. Like herpetic... Assistants yeah, that yeah. don't speak. They look both bubbly and crispy all at the same time. You know, in the way that infections do. It would be great as well. I think now that I think about it, I probably would have... I mean, interior decoration, that's great. But exterior decoration, that's where it's at. <laughs> I want to put this in a quarry. Can we put it in a quarry? Uh, I'm going to imagine a quarry. Because I can imagine whatever I want. I'm going to pop it in a quarry. 
or a beach that I think the brig says looks like Chroma, but actually I'd more like to look at like uh, just barren wasteland. Yeah, that, that'd be great. I barren mean, like, wasteland. Also, I'm thinking Mad Max, but with even less plot. And instead of like, you know, Adonis Butlers or whatever, yeah. I want <laughs> piles of the same crispy infection bubbles <laughs> with a claw. Is that is that too much to ask? That's what heaven looks like to me. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is incredibly dumb. It's also the whole like. Well, let's ignore the fact that he has the worst imagination ever, and he hasn't like. You can just recreate the yeah, world as you know it, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe you'll know that it's fake, but it doesn't matter. You can still make yourself happy in this world. Yeah. Taps could actually. There could be like a cold tap, a hot tap, and a milkshake tap. That could be the world you live in. Do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> uh, but no, no, not going to do that. Well, guess you're dumb. So then the only thing that's left of him, because this antimatter has been corroding, like whatever, the only thing that's left of him is his imagination. That's nonsense to me, because the only thing that matters there is imagination, and the imagination is what... I mean, if, if imagination is... And the idea of self is enough to sustain the self in this universe, then... Why does he not have a face? I mean, it's basically like... The, yeah, yeah, you know, no, it's, Doc, mean. it's Dr. Manhattan is what I'm thinking. Yeah. You know, Dr. Manhattan in, in Watchmen, yeah. he is just intellect in this world yeah. where, when he gets beamed out or whatever. It's just atoms and intellect, and his intellect can then shape whatever he wants. And fine, he loses part of his humanity or all of his humanity. It's just logic and whatever, but he... He's an amorphous energy being of, you know, iridescent light. Yeah, but you know what he has? A face. And a giant blue dong. I mean, wh why when <laughs> you take off? Yeah, dong. why when you take off Omega's helmet? Is it empty there? If he thinks that he has a face, the idea that the self, the last thing to go, is, is the thing that is thinking of the thing. So it's, it's never ending because it's always thinking of itself. Yeah, that's, that was my point before. I don't like. There's no such imagination. It's not even intellect in this. I think they say imagination is mm. the only. That's all you are. You've imagined yourself, and therefore you are still there. Yourself still exists. That means everything else is completely irrelevant. The only thing that is relevant in this world is the imagination, and it can never corrode away. Like, it, it will never disappear. It sounds wicked. It does. It's, you know, oh my god, do you know what it is? What? It's the Nexus. It's the Nexus. It is the the only this interesting aspect of Star Trek Generations. Interestingly going to become the Doctor Who slash Star Trek <laughs> podcast. At some point, he will run into... Uh, is it... It's Kirk who has the weird egg. He makes an um, omelette of alien eggs. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Before he has a pony ride. And this is the Nexus. Goldberg will tell you how it works. Yeah. In an incredibly overrated scene. The... the <laughs> Overrated? Over, the film is overrated. Oh, the film is overrated. The whole thing. Actually, oh, Whoopi Goldberg. No, no, Whoopi, Whoopi is uh, Whoopi-tastic. She has won an Oscar. She's got an uh, EGOT. And an Emmy. She's an EGOT. She's an EGOT, yeah. yeah. What does T stand for? Shit. I've got Emmy, Oscar, Grammy. Grammy. Terrapin. <laughs> they, they, if you get all three, they just give, they you, give you another one. They give Congratulations, you, you have won. Terrapin, yeah. <laughs> you got the ego. <laughs> we, we thought that sounds a little bit oppressive, so. So we gave you this little turtle. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> 
So I, I don't know. I think we're running around in circles here. But the fact that he can imagine his face in the here's the dark side of my mind scene, isn't that the face that you would see when you open up his, his yes, helmet? Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Because that's a face that he has created. His imagination has, you know, made into being. And then he looks in the mirror. It's like, oh, shit, I don't have a face. Idiots. Just imagine one now How and get it back. How are you seeing it? What do you imagine you see? Yeah. What is happening? I figure the way that his eyeballs work, it's just like the camera on the outside of the TARDIS, where it's like, weirdly, you 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 go like, hey, what does the CCTV on the outside of the TARDIS see? Oh, it sees the, the outside of the TARDIS. Well, how does that work? Where's the camera? <laughs> yeah, that's how he sees stuff. Right. All right. Anyway. Okay. More okay. Notes. Hit me with notes. Okay. Uh, sweet, sweet notes. <laughs> What did you think of English Geraldo Rivera? <laughs> <laughs> I found his investigatory journalism powers subpar. <laughs> and so, his, so th- what's his name? Dr. Tyler. Dr. Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> also, his like bullshit scientific um, curiosity yeah. was just just curiosity. He didn't work anything out. Well, he... Do- well, he- then he when he gets taken to the other planet yeah. or whatever, that weird... Antimatter. Is is that what's uh, yeah it's the, the planet inside universe. the exactly yeah this weird safe zone in the antimatter yeah it, he he's figuring something he's like writing equations in the sand he's like e equals mc squared obviously <laughs> <laughs> that goes without saying <laughs> that's uh, that's an equation that will resonate with our viewers you know f they, doesn't equal nd cubed <laughs> duh. <laughs> I'm just trying to make Drew's headache. <laughs> but, but he seems, it seems as though they are deliberately trying to make him appear ve- like vastly intelligent for a human. Because he's saying like, just by looking at this fucking gravel pit, he deduces that he must be moving quicker than uh, the speed of light, but his surroundings he are moving... He moved quicker than the speed Sorry, of light. he moved quicker than the speed of light, and his surroundings are moving quicker than the speed of light in the opposite direction, and therefore he can see and interact with it. Something like that, he says. He's like, oh, cool, you're really clever. I, I'm not even going to try to fact-check that. That sounds super clever. You clearly are quite open-minded and whatever. And then the doctor tells him, right, so there's this stuff called antimatter. Antimatter? No, never heard of it. Bullshit. This is just shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is the dumbest trick ever. And then he has to do an, an actual magic trick, like <laughs> like yeah, fake flowers to get him to wrap like, his mind like, around it. I got you now. <laughs> yeah. Baryogenesis, you say? Oh, <laughs> huh? uh, this is antimatter. It's a thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really even know myself. I just know that there's a physicist that was super into it. So that's English Geraldo Rivera. Uh, can we? Can we? <laughs> Gerald. Gerald Rivera. <laughs> Gerald. <laughs> He's very intelligent, but except when he's not. Did you segue from that? Did you find that the brigadier, and to a certain extent, Joe, was a moron? Yes. Yes. Why? <laughs> so I read somewhere that this was the start of the fall of bagels. They're phasing out unit in general, yeah. right? Because they're going to be more off-world adventures, but. It's the start of the fall of ba- of bagels in the sense that he's becoming more and more of a comic sidekick in a way rather than a serious military well, figure. Well, so loads of things. First off, he's in complete intransigent to understand that there could be more than one Doctor, having seen 
incalculable amount of like weird and wonderful things like he is the most closed-minded open-minded person like you know <laughs> you've seen loads of crazy shit dude yeah the, your can, mind has been blown to the nth degree yet this surprises this, you everything's always a step too far he sees the inside of the tardis an interior that apparently hitherto he has never encountered before but he has he is aware that the doctor can can do marvelous things with science and, and gallifreyan technology alien technology vastly superior to our means but he thinks that the doctor has been spending units budget on mirrors to perform this optical illusion for what purpose to what end, bagels? I see what you've been doing. You've been moonlighting as a house of mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> Down at Chroma Beach. Because that's apparently the only thing. Like, I'm on a fucking planet in an entirely different, you know, yeah. dimension. It looks exactly like Devon. <laughs> <laughs> it's indistinguishable. <laughs> yeah, he's weird. No, no. He's, um... He's a buffoon in this one. He is a bit of a buffoon. And um, it's a bit of a shame. Even his sign-off, I mean, I, I guess towards the end, eventually he catches on. He understands, all right, so all the doctors are the same doctor. That's not so impossible or difficult to fathom. Yates gets it. Benton. Oh, Benton, sorry. Benton gets it. Benton's the clever one in this Benton's episode. Benton's the clever one. Also, now, I know this isn't necessarily the right track to go down. Go for it. But... Who is Joe fucking? <laughs> like, but she spends a really long time with this area, like, glued to Benton's chest, right? I think that's just because Yates isn't around. So I reckon, I re well, maybe, I don't know if Yates is going to return. Probably he will return. But I'm pretty sure that Benton's character is going to grow. Like, he's going to get more screen time. I would be totally fine with that. I would be, yeah. I mean, I prefer Benton yeah. as a character. I prefer him to Yates. They probably snogged at some point. They, they both have needs, right? No, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to keep it straight in my head. She's not fucking Bagel. She's not fucking the Doctor. The unit consists of four people, including the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a whole, you know, a host of, like, Oh, the unnamed red shirts? Yeah. The red shirts in gre the green shirts, yeah. She ain't fucking them. So no, Joe today, uh, this, this serial. Did she do anything of note? Not really. She sort of she, uh, she vacillates weird... between being very clever and getting things, mm. and being incredibly naive. Sort of being the the uh, m regular mortal among them who isn't yeah. wearing camouflage. The civvy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but not just the civvy. I mean, to a certain degree, the doctors are civvy, right? But the but a, a regular human. Yeah, human civvy. Yeah, fine. Yeah. But it bothers me a little bit that the way in which they prove that she's clever, it's twofold. First off, we no longer, in the serial, we no longer get the doctor telling her, like, mm, there, there, girl, you're, you'll learn sooner or later. Or, oh, well done, you're improving now, make me a cup of tea. You know, we don't get any more of that disparaging dialogue from the doc. But instead, this is in episode one, where the doctor's explaining that the energy is traveling faster than light. Now, fast forward about 20 seconds. Benton asks, what does that mean? And Joe goes, he means it travels faster than light. And she is sort of commended for it. It's a scene that's built up. I, th I think the purpose of that scene is, it doesn't sound like much when I'm quoting it now, but I think the purpose of that scene is just to show, hang on, she's learning. Mm. She's not a military person. She is uh, not quite a scientist, but she's clever enough to pick up stuff. Mm. But she's literally just regurgitating what the doctor just said. That's the only thing she gets. She doesn't get to solve any problems. She doesn't get to save the day. She doesn't get to do anything. 
I'd have liked to see more interaction between Omega and her. Yeah. That'd sure. be fun. I would have liked to see more Joe Grant in general. Get her yeah. to do something. Yeah. Did you feel... I've complained about this before. In this one, once again, she is completely ready to just sacrifice herself for the Doctor. Yeah. At the end, it's like, no, 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 I'll stay here. I'll stay here and corrode and lose my face as well. Well, either that or she doesn't really believe in the weird smoke transporter and she thinks the safest place is to be here. Okay, I've got a bone to pick with this smoke transporter. Hit me. Did you think that it was necessary for the smoke transporter to have, like, unicorn, sparkle, foley sound effects every time that you went through it? Yes. Okay, well, I guess case closed then. (laughs) 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 More stuff, more stuff. Hit me. All right, so the top secret security establishment, quotes... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he held up a finger so I wouldn't I speak <laughs> no, no 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 that's that's holding up a finger to go like this has there's an authority behind it and that authority is called bagels bagel said this is a top secret security establishment don't believe me watch the serial listen carefully so why is it so incredibly well signposted is it everyone knows the, the fucking local village space scientist can just, like, ask the operator on the CB radio in his car, hey, put me through to the top-secret military <laughs> facility. Oh, hi, bagels. And then he just walks in and, tam- like, tinkers with shit. Oh, yeah, he, at one point he goes, get Dr. Tyler. He's wandering around or whatever. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, but he doesn't work for you, does he? No, no exactly. He so he's like, he's why like is a- he fucking wandering around? Why should... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, uh, I I don't get it. Unit is... If it's top, unless it's like uh, MI5, MI6, like everyone knows this is where MI5, MI uh, slash MI6 are, Mm. but no one knows what's going on inside it. But then you go to Unit HQ, and there are like massive signs that say, laboratory in that direction, I don't know, admin wing over here, this is where we dissect aliens we find. (laughs) It seems somewhat counterintuitive. I think, actually, the, the inside of MI6 is just funkypigeon.com. It's just, like, people making cards, but uh, and MI6 is somewhere else. <laughs> funkypigeon.com? Is that, or like, Moonpig? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. They're just, like, people making really shitty cards so people can <laughs> send each other as if they have no imagination or affection at all. Um, <laughs> and that's what's going on in, inside MI6. Take that, statistically speaking, 2 to 3% of our listeners who have <laughs> at some point ordered a card off funkypigeon.com. <laughs> Just to, uh, pop, <laughs> just to pop a soundbite in between discussion points. Here's a soundbite from episode 1, 11, 17 in. What was after you? Well, some kind of powerful organism thing with a very strong hunting instinct. Thanks, Doctor. <laughs> That's all you need to know, baby. <laughs> also, we've discovered a new effect. <laughs> yes. Oh, and it is glorious. It really is I glorious. love how it, like, it crawls out of vents and things. It's wonderful. In a fight, who would win? This effect, or the green screen tiny demon doll that the master made out of alien rubber (laughs) (laughs) in uh, It's a Terror of the Autons. Oh. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, I do. That was a wicked... activated demon doll. I'm going to say Blob. Yeah, it is Blob, isn't it? Well, the Blob is just going to send the demon doll to the dark matter, the antimatter universe. That was too easy, I'm sorry. (laughs) We can put it out on Twitter. We'll see what people say. Yeah, yeah, do it. Do it! Blob or demon doll? <laughs> Choose that. <laughs> How do you feel about telepathy between doctors? Uh, Speaking of new effects. Like, nano, nano, nano. Yeah. <laughs> um, Should they be able to do that? No, right? Because they, so they've, they've been, the other two have been plucked out of their time streams and whacked into 
the third Doctor's time stream. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily grant them any special powers, right? No, this felt like uh, Eccleston walking through the fan in the well-ventilated room of death in episode two. End of the world? End of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is a superpower that you guys shouldn't have. Why, just because you're the same person, like different iterations of the same character, why can you telepathically share memories? I guess that's what they're doing. Mm. Or share brain power. They share brain power. If they were sharing memories, that's perfectly fine because, Wait, like, how? Oh, yes, that is fine. That's just, that's just remembering, isn't it? Ah, uh, well, no. And I've got a, I've got one point and one question about that. Right. Oh, uh, let's tangent into that because I'm super glad that you said this because otherwise I would have forgotten. All right. Numero uno, the sharing memories only works one way. Troughton is not going to remember what Pertwee has seen. Yep. Pertwee will remember what Troughton has experienced. Mm. So, question for you. Why does Pertwee not remember the flute or the recorder? Is there some sort of, like, weird uh, regenerational firewall? Not in New Who, right? Am I wrong in saying that? I feel like uh, Capaldi and very soon Jodie Whitt- Whittaker will remember... Everything that they have experienced. Well, you might remember things, but you will remember, like, personality traits or feelings. So you might remember the recorder, but you don't remember how you felt about the recorder. But he doesn't even remember the recorder. I mean, he looks at it and he goes like, no, that looks vaguely familiar. What is that? That happened a maximum of three years ago. A maximum of three terrestrial years. Oh, yeah, that's true. Maybe spend more time. Okay, fine. So, yeah, but it hasn't. All right, fine. Sorry. No. Oh, wow. That's way too much vodka. Um, Okay, so. It's totally worth it. Okay, fine. Sorry. The maximum three years ago, that's that's really stupid of me. But in general, I feel like he should remember it. That was one life ago. Mm. Really not that bad. Come on, seriously, Pertwee. You must know this, right? Yeah, I guess it didn't really that. Well, it sort of bothered me, sort of didn't, but then it kind of helped reinforce the idea of different doctors as it's like almost separate people. Um is that, are you happy about that, though? I I'm kind of sad about that. No, I'm kind of happy that the... I mean, I guess if you live that long and you do actually have, like, proper distinct personalities, different lives, yeah. quote-unquote, um, that you'd basically not have the need to do that if you could access everything about that life. They, there's something different. And in many ways, it, it, it only makes more discreet what, you know, humans go through. So, like, you know, I'd, I sort of remember some of the stuff from when I was 20, but... Not exactly, and not exactly the feelings and exactly all the stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah, I used to like, I can't remember why I liked that, but I did, sort of thing. Okay. Yes, I can appreciate that. In a way, it, it lends credence to what Tennant says right before slash during his epic, I, I mean that in the worst possible way, uh, swan song. And he goes through like, oh, well, you know, part of us dies, part of us disappears. We are not the same person mm. at the other end of the regeneration. But, I mean, the memories are there. I think he even says that. Yeah, the other person knows exactly everything that I know, but he'll be slightly different. Mm. Yeah, see, I like that. Sexist tenants could have been a she. Yeah. True. Exactly. True. <laughs> what was numero dos? All right, continuing on the sharing brain power. They use brain power for two things. First off, they make a door. Yes. Because... And they make a door that just leads to... The other room. Yeah. Why not make a door that leads to outside? the... Yeah. Uh, sorry, but that seems like it would make more sense. Why don't you make a door that leads you back to the TARDIS and then imagine that there's a bubble that will allow you to leave the antimatter universe? <laughs> In fact, why don't you just imagine that you're back on Earth and the black and hole is closed? Maybe the imagination portion only only replies to what's within the antimatter universe. 
And not extra. Fine, so then at least you can imagine a way out of the antimatter universe. No. That, so your imagination, as you're, you, you bid to leave, your ability to imagine the thing stops. Yeah, but you only have to imagine it up until the very border. Like, up until the, what's it called, the event horizon. At which point, surely well, no, your TARDIS can no, take you away. it's a paradox, isn't it? Because you, then you can't even get to breaking the wall if that's where... Like, literally, they are wall... They are, like, I mean, there is literally, not figuratively, there's literally no space between the end of your imagination and the start of our universe. You should be able to just go through there. Because you're imagining no. everything that's on this side. I'm, I'm gesturing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. I'm also, it works great in podcasts. I'm really high on Tesco Blue Spark. And he thinks that he can trans... trans uh, I'm going to use tra- the... Tra- travail fucking universe. Exactly. Yeah. Ex- do you want some of this Blue Spark? <laughs> it will help you speak. So it, imagination ends, universe starts, literally where it ends, the next starts. You can't imagine yourself out of a where the... The impulse sense, of man. your fucking imagination only exists in one of those spheres. No, you're just imagining... What I'm saying is, you're, you're not imagining... Sorry, to clarify, you're not imagining yourself. Mm. You're imagining an exit. And the exit literally only has to go as far as it needs to go for you to be able to go through. Because at the other, other sides, I mean, you don't need imagination. No, actually, you're think, able to exist on the other side. specifically say what I'm saying yeah. about, uh, about Omega. He says, like, I'm a captive of my own imagination. I can't imagine myself out because then the thing ceases to exist and I yeah, cease to exist. Yeah, dare to dream bigger, darling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're right here. However, I do take the point, <laughs> if you're going to imagine a door, imagine a door Elsewhere. away. Yeah. Out of captivity, not into the arms of herpetic assistants <laughs> or uh, <laughs> henchmen. Shingle uh, monsters. Shingle monsters, yes. <laughs> All right, time for another soundbite. Episode 2, 1342. Careful, Jelly Baby. Nice. Yep. Jelly Babies. I thought that would come with the next Doctor. I didn't realize that this is Troughton saying it. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Okie dokie. Another question for you. Omega, Omega, whatever. Gersburns declares that the Time Lords must be desperate to transgress the first law of time. Again, what laws were there before you gave them the ability? That is my th- it's it's in my notes. Bug, it bug, is bug, in my bug, notes. Bug, bug. Right, so here's what I've written. But would he really know about the laws of time if it was his work and consequential disappearance that gave them domain over time to begin with? And innumerable question marks and exclamation points. How does he know what's going on in the matter universe? He doesn't, right? So how does he know they go and do time travel? He knows that what he did will have enabled it. So, but how does he know that it actually fucking happened and it played out in the way it did? Uh, okay. Here's what I imagine. How did he know there were time lords to capture? Here's what I, what I imagine. There's the black hole, the way that the BBC imagines a black hole to work. It's mm. like a crack in the universe and it's dark. Like, you can fall into it, basically, but or, or you can fall out of it. And in this case, he directs this energy beam out of the black hole onto Earth. Mm. I reckon that works and can work almost like a telescope. Like, he can peer out, at least into certain places, and gather information, gather a little bit of intel. But I don't think he's able to look at Gallifrey. It seems as though, if you're able to send stuff out, why don't you just send a distress, like, send an SOS, you idiots. At least, yeah, initially. Yeah. I, and then, you know, wait a few millennia, give up, and then go bonkers. <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't. I, the, the fact that he can direct this energy beam to the Earth and he can send 
he can dispatch this weird energy creature that he's uh, conjured into being that can exist in both universes. The fact that he can do that, I think... Oh, and the fact that he very vaguely says, go and fetch me a Time Lord. He doesn't say, go and fetch me the Doctor. Mm. He says, fetch me a Time Lord. I think that means he has a very limited knowledge of our universe. Which, I mean, raises yet more questions, right? The idea that... Certainly. So so he can see some things, but not all things. Okay, fine. Um, but why does he choose to only... So, for example, so he knows about Time Lords and they do things. Yeah. He doesn't know that he's well revered. Yeah, that's my point. He has no idea what's going on. Oh, sorry, that's not my point, but that, that backs up my point. He has no idea what's going on on, tele- on uh, Gallifrey. So how did he know that there are Time Lords on Earth to go fetch one? That's a very good question. <laughs> because TV show? TV show. <laughs> Yo, you've trumped me again. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> because otherwise enough. we wouldn't have this serial. Mm. I mean, coin- or could it be this? He can only angle the energy beam. Like, there's a limited range that he can angle it. And coincidentally, for the same reason slash coincidence that every episode happens to take place in England, <laughs> you know, every alien inv- invasion starts in London, mm. he can only target the Earth. And he goes, just find me a, find me a Time Lord. Go there, find me a Time Lord. Coincidentally, there happens to be one there. Soon to be two. Fuck it, I'll buy it. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Otherwise, it's going to be a long 40 years, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, true. Let's talk about pacing. How did you feel? I felt really good about it. I felt great about it. I feel like six episodes would have killed me. Six episodes of this would have killed me. me. Six episodes of some serials are perfect. Yeah. But the writing here was... It wasn't even that repetitive. No. Wait, hang on. Can we just take a moment? Like, let's just take a moment to appreciate the fact that this is possibly the first time that we've not said. It could have uh, maybe been improved by having 20% cut out of it. Yeah. Well yeah. done. That's uh, the Four episodes, I think, is a really good amount, which is essentially two... It's like a, a two new who back-to-back. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Don't quote me on this one, but I think that's what we're going to get when we get to Baker. Oh, God. To Tom Baker. So my the memory I have of watching Doctor Who as a kid is four episodes to a story. Mm. That's what I remember. And I I think that's valid for at least most of Tom Baker. That would be nice. How yeah. would you feel about that format for New Who? Oh, oh, I love that. If there was a series, but like there was actually a set of stories that span multiple parts. Okay. I mean, not just two parties, but like four parties. Or, or three parties, I guess. Uh, well, two parties. Well, no, four, four part, four um, so 25 on. minute parties. Uh, that was going to be my counter question to you. Mm. Like, are we suddenly limiting ourselves to 25 minutes of Doctor Who per week rather than an hour? Yeah. Oh. Okay, what about four hour parties? It's quite, it's quite a lot of time. That's quite a lot. That's, that's an incredible investment on the part of BBC. Mm. And, and actually also on the part of the viewers in terms of emotional investment and time and everything. I feel that the scale, and this is not supposed to be a New Who review, so we'll cut this short now, yeah. but um, the, the scale that New Who's trying to go for, the yeah. sc- epic scale of all things, definitely the Moffat era. Um, but isn't... Oh, sorry, go ahead. But Moffat era you, uh, who is going for big scale and actually often runs out of time. Yeah, that's true. Often runs out of time. But you also have... I mean, you have arcs in New Who that you don't get in, in this... 
Yeah, like right. a cohesive twelve-story. Which is a, it's an ironic thing to mention in an episode that <laughs> quite deliberately drags elements of prior serials into, you know, of its the past decades yeah. into itself. But uh, I, I think New Who just suffers from box sets itis. You know, yeah, yeah. No one wants to watch. Here's like one story. You can get it over and done with in two hours. Whereas, actually, the fandom, and when of classic Who fandom, uh, people have really specific serials they like and that yeah. they return to over and over again. That, yeah, and if, it feels much more like books in the library. Yeah, right? absolutely. Whereas it, New Who is more like, oh, here are some characters from... It's not even a series of books. It's just mm. like fictional characters, and we really relate to them. Do you know what? Everything actually, blends together. Actually, always about fucking serials. Like, oh, yeah, I'm writing a... You know, I know lots of people that like to write, and they're like, yeah. write a book. oh, yeah, what, what's the book about? Well, actually, it's a series, Oh, uh, and I'm writing seven books. I'm like, when did you... Who said they wanted to read one? Why do you need to write seven? The rings are a tiny little bell. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing a fair amount of aspiring writers myself, there are a lot of people who just... This is, this is again, this is box-set-itis. Isn't it? Slash franchise-itis, yeah. which I think Doctor Who knew who also suffers from a little bit. The whole, like, don't create one work of genius, create a, a universe, mm. and then just populate it with shit. I mean, I, I mean shit in the best possible way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the caviar of shit. <laughs> All right, review. Uh, can I bring up one tiny thing? Bring up one tiny thing, Leon. Did you think that the country bumpkin who just... What was his fucking deal? Yeah. <laughs> like, who just walks around with a rifle. He's out hunting. Yeah, Maybe no, he's no, like, I get that, right? I get he's out hunting in the real like world. He's like the poacher from Withnail and I. <laughs> exactly. And, that, and that's fine, right? Because yeah. the... That that makes sort of terrestrial sense. But what the fuck is he doing in the antimatter world for like a day or whatever? He's just what? wandering around with his gun and Omega's just like, Yes, that's cool, dude. What you do yeah. you? You do you enjoy my dreamscape <laughs> <laughs> with your giant shotgun. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be worried about the shotgun if I were uh, Omega. I would just go, Well, I'm now imagining that your bullets have no effect on me. Done. Problem solved. Your bullets are marshmallows. Yeah. <laughs> But A, did we really need the country bumpkin as a plot device? We didn't really, right? We didn't right? do a damn thing. This this list goes up to D, by the way. <laughs> so A, did we need the country bumpkin? B, did you at any point think that this country bumpkin would be like the country bumpkin from Terror of the Autons, who just like, he beats his wife and then he gets yeah. killed by an alien? Yes. I thought so as well. I, 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 didn't, I didn't know that we'd see him again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then he's just like, he's this slurry <laughs> character who gets to even be sexist. Towards, he gets the final line. Yeah. We end on, you'd never believe me, woman. Supper ready? <laughs> That's what this serial ends on. Is <laughs> supper ready. Jesus. C. <laughs> Could we not just have had the village space scientist basically play both himself and the village poacher. What is the village poster, the poacher's um, function? D. <laughs> <laughs> I can answer you. Oh, I know what the fuck he was supposed to be. Oh, I see. Okay. D. Did we just gloss over the fact that there's a giant, uh, like, weather balloon? <laughs> yeah, what is that? <laughs> We're trying out these extra large condoms. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... 
Were you also when you also thinking of Roswell? Like, there's a, this is a sci-fi series about an alien, whatever. It could be an alien invasion at this point. We don't know. It's episode one. There's a weather balloon. <laughs> uh, no. What? No. Also, if you're that smart a scientist, <gasps> and he is that smart a scientist. Oh my god! I just figured something out. All oh, right, you had a lot of Red Bull in you. Oh uh, no, sorry. Carry on. You go. You <laughs> go. You say, go. If you're that smart a scientist, yeah. you can figure out that you're in some interstitial fucking other dimension. You can figure out how that you're going fast and yeah. things are going in the opposite direction. Yeah. Why are you in charge of the weather balloon? I don't think you are in charge of the weather balloon. I think you're just on the side. You're kind of freelancing as the village doctor. Right. So you drive around in your Jeep and just, you know, you bandage people up. Poacher probably gets into lots of scraps with, I don't know, you know, <sighs> wild boar. I don't know, man. I don't know. Wild boar. <laughs> so you've, made, you've made this now <laughs> some weird version of Doc Hollywood <laughs> slash The Lion King. Yes. Right. Yes, it's Timbo or Pumba or Timon or whatever they called it. <laughs> <laughs> you stop and get your other boy now. Okay. Here's what I think I figured out, and I think it's incredibly basic. And uh, I can't remember who it was when we did the mailbag apps. The, the, the person who said, one or all of you never get the basics of the serial that you're, <laughs> that you're reviewing. It's definitely you. I think I just stumbled upon a thing that literally everyone knows, and we have debated. And <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's really basic. I think the weather balloon is how... It, I think that's what picks up the space signal from the antimatter universe. Because the weird color blob thingy that comes out at, in our universe on Earth, it comes out of that yellow box, right? The mm. it's, it's what transports stuff to the antimatter universe. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, I, that's that's the role of the weather balloon in no, this area. No, no, no. I was not. I'm not necessarily questioning the role of the weather balloon and. The oh, scientists. now you're pretending like you knew all along. No, no, I don't. I did know, right? <laughs> but I actually didn't really care. I don't understand the fucking poacher dude. What is his role? <laughs> no role. Do you think in a six-episode arc, the poacher could have been fleshed out as a character? The poacher I, and Joe. I think, uh, yeah. And Joe. I think the poacher was the love interest. <laughs> the what? The what? Under- like, he's cheating on his wife. No, no, I think they're like, you his know. poor wife him, is him back him on in- Earth cooking for him. I think, actually, if this was a six-episode, and actually, this is a bit of trivia that's not on TARDIS Wiki yet. Okay. Is that Omega and him actually get together uh, towards the end. Holy smokes. And actually... Get together to... as in, like, villain and henchman or sexually? No, sexually. Oh, okay. um, and <laughs> Obviously. Uh, and, like, there's, like, a really sad, like, show tune number towards the end as Omega knows he has to let his love fly. And, you know, the, oh and it's really sad. Um, but we don't get to see it. It's on the <sighs> chopping room floor. Right. <laughs> Are you ready for reviews yet or yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> start us off. Start us off. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. So, um, even though we tore all of that apart, I really enjoyed it. It felt like some sort of 10th anniversary culmination full of, like, a, a nostalgia that I shouldn't have, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. Through this journey of Who Back When, I've got an, like, a anachronistic nostalgia. <laughs> Yeah. As if I was, you know, in the 70s, in the 60s, and like, oh, look, Troughton and Hartnell. So made me the, they, they got major points for that, just for, for warm and fuzzies, which is great. Um, I did like the mythos of, like, you know, sort of Time Lord lore. You know, that was cool. I, you know, the idea that there's the civilization and there's this kind of rich history because that will give birth to loads of time. Oh, my God, life. we didn't talk about the Time Lords at all. 
They don't do anything other than be in peril and they, like, move some shit around. Uh, there are two points about the Time Lords I'm going to bring up before my mini, but carry on. Intergalactic project managers. Um, yeah, basically. Right. Now, I mean, <laughs> it didn't really make loads of sense. And, you know, it did. I don't think that that, um, that loads of the, the peril was actually... Or the... Um, what's his fucking name? Omega. Omega was that menacing a... Oh, Omega. Omega. It wasn't that, that menacing a, a baddie, but... I don't know, no, no, it just made me feel all great inside. Uh, and that we're 10 years in. So fuck it, I'm going for 4.4. Nice. You know what? I'm going to flat out copy your rating. 4.4, fuck it, it's totally worth it. I hadn't really thought about what to, how to rate this, but I think that's spot on. There are, there are a couple of things I want to bring up about the Time Lords before I go into, um, into my sycophantic monologue. Mm. Number one, in this one, more so than we've heard hitherto, and I feel in a way that almost contrasts with the view that we have of Time Lords in New Who, they specifically say, in fact, in this serial, that they, they're sort of on a mission of, of doing good deeds. They're just like, you know, they're, they're throwing good deeds left, right, and center. They're, they're, I can't remember the actual quote. I'm just going to paraphrase it. At, at one point, the two Time Lords are really the main Time Lord dudes that we see. The Chancellor. Oh, Chancellor. One's a Chancellor. Right, yeah, I remembered, like, Your Excellency. Yeah. And the other one's just a lord, whatever. Everyone's a lord here. Yeah. <laughs> they say at one point, like, we need to resolve this issue so we can get back to helping all the people that we are committed to helping. Mm. But they're much shitty later on, aren't they? Like, yeah. I remember the time lords point, being... Incredibly egocentric. Yeah. They, they feel like they're entitled in some way. They're better than everyone else. Yeah, Not they're here. more the, they're more like the the freaking gods of Olympus, you know, like full exactly of, full of chagrin and pride and able to, but not necessarily inclined to intervene for good. Yeah, right. Whereas here, it seems as though that's and often their... within self interest. Oh, certainly yes. Whereas here, it's it seems as though that's their mission statement. Like if you go to timelords.co.uk, it slash about, <laughs> it just says. Here's our 10-point plan for improving the universe, you know, mm. one four at a time. Maybe just the changing of the guard. Maybe this chancellor was really good, and then, like, the next chancellor will be shit. Um, oh, actually, that's, a, that's an interesting point. Mm. Changing leadership. Really stupid question. Cool. When, you remember in New Who, when Timothy Dalton, oh, I can't remember his name now. Apologies, podcast land. You know when Timothy Dalton shows up as uh, the, uh, I can't remember his name, whatever, I'm never going to remember it. He shows up in New Who, mm. and he's like the leader. Is he the Chancellor? Timothy Dalton? Yeah. Dude, Timothy Dalton. He is the, oh, uh, it's the seal of Rassilon. He's the Rassilon. Right. Okay, so is he the Chancellor? And Dalton is, he's clearly, I mean, he is a no-nonsense bad guy. Yeah. In terms of, yeah, as far as... Time Lords can be bad He's guys. Like, Fuck everyone. Yeah. We are the best. We will do everything. We will sacrifice every human being. Hmm. Make Earth Gallifrey point two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 2.0. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that maybe he... Is he... Made, oh, maybe he's a, a Chancellor and whoever's in power... Shapes the will of... I mean, that's kind of what you the do. The action right? points of Gallifrey. Yeah. So it's not so much a civilization thing. Because in my mind, the, the Time Lords, they're so incredibly advanced, they're so developed as a, as a civilization that they're beyond petty politics in a way. Like, sure, you have 
some people who action power is all relative right like so even if you're all like powerful in terms of how you've evolved and you're all technologically advanced there'll still always be someone slightly more powerful that you'll defer to and they'll set the agenda yeah but can you imagine a civilization like the gallifreyans going on you know (laughs) the campaign trail like, imagine Rassilon going on the campaign trail. This is why you should elect me, your new chancellor. We should build a time wall. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll make the Sidorians pay for it. You know, they, they, no. I They're th- above that, in I fact. stand on a platform of Gallifrexit. <laughs> <laughs> I really need to get that out before my brain exploded. Yeah. <laughs> Hit me with a rating. All right. Oh, well, you, I've already you told you, yeah, 4.4. Yeah. There are, in general, I agree with you, out of nostalgia and out of just, I don't know, just a, a, a fondness for not just this Doctor, but the prior Doctors. Of Doctor Who, as an institution, these anniversary episodes uh, are incredibly endearing to me. They can be however dumb they like. I would still love them. But fret not, dear listeners. Next week, we go back to our razor-sharp yeah. critique. Fuck it, I'm just going to drop my rating for the next serial already. I haven't even watched it. In Minus one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, th- this serial was four episodes good. There were some characters that could have been fleshed out. Joe definitely wanted more of her. Didn't like where the where the character of the Brigadier was going. Mm. Seriously, bagels. Like, return to your old self, please. Loved where Benton was going. Mm. Didn't really get uh, Geraldo Rivera... Gerald Rivera. Yeah, Gerald Rivera. <laughs> uh, and also, like, the joint telepathy being, like, being able to conjure up doors, it felt a little bit like Superman's laser eyes being able to rebuild the Great Wall of China, you know, and yeah. Superman. Also, the recorder bullshit. We didn't talk about that, but the recorder bullshit. Like, oh, that, oh, that was a question for, for you, actually, because yeah. I don't get this. So the recorder was, was in that a force a tra- field. But so was it, that a trap? It wasn't converted. Yes, exactly. It was so a trap. It wasn't converted or something into the antimatter. So it was still matter. So if it came into contact with antimatter, it explodes everything. So oh. he, they were they were hoping that he wouldn't, and it would drop that. When I was, when I just thought, why don't you just drop it yourself? If it was intentionally, or well, he has to touch it, I don't know. If it was intended to be a trap, then surely just blow it up and leave. Done. Yeah. Everything has been resolved. This is now no longer a four-episode arc. It's a 3.8-episode arc. But I don't think that it was meant to be a trap. I think this was a genuine attempt of Doctors 2 and 3 to allow Omega to enter our universe. He he says, or the third Doctor says, um, because they find his recorder and they're like, no, no, don't touch it. I'll buy you a thousand recorders. Yeah, yeah, I remember. The recorder's are part of the trap. It's very deliberate. It's part of the trap. Yeah. The recorders are the hinge of the whole thing. That's just dumb. That is just dumb. I don't know what to tell you, man. That guy that thinks that you don't don't watch serials closely enough is having a fucking seizure. Yeah. Right? <laughs> He's like, oh, why are you not understanding this? Well, it, it just seems really dumb to me. Either it's a trap, in which case it doesn't have to be. It could be a weapon. You can pull the trigger behind Omega's back. Like, don't give, don't have a final monologue with him. Just, you know, throw it out of the TARDIS as you leave. Mm. And, you know, when you dematerialize into the sunset. Or it's not a trap. It's a genuine attempt to allow Omega to return to Gallifrey, to return to our universe. In which case it's like, wow, wait, you have to carry this really precariously constructed box around forever. Never drop it, please. (laughs) Or shit will crumble. (laughs) Really bad idea. Also, like, maniacal, you know, galactic terrorist. Yeah, maybe don't take him home. Yeah, maybe. Maybe just leave him where he is. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, 
Yeah. Hey, Captain Fenton Mud, maybe don't write. No, no more Star Trek. Don't transport to the Bone Zone with <laughs> Stella. Yeah, and and Stella's dad, who clearly has forgiven him despite all of the setup of Act Three. Terrible ending of that episode. Wonderful episode. Terrible ending. Oh. Oh, I'm coming around to Star Trek Discovery, though. It's okay. I hope you all have watched it. Let's listen to some Listener Minutes. Let's listen to some Listener Minutes. <laughs> listener Minis. Do you want to start us off? Right. The first Listener Mini comes from Arthur Fushake. <laughs> Arthur, fuck's sake. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm not playing the game. Hello, Arthur, if that's really your name. <laughs> so, Arthur writes, No real Arthur Fushake fuck's sake. <laughs> moments in this serial. Although I'd dearly have loved to have seen more of an effort made to present an antimatter reality as something other than the usual quarry field at <laughs> a 45 degree angle. Fair play. Here, here. The monsters, however, were bizarre enough as they appeared to be made out of pus-filled scab tissue <laughs> and had crab claw guns for oh, hands. Oh, we didn't talk about the crab We did. Claws. We mentioned oh, it we briefly. Oh, we did. We did. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Arthur goes on, it was refreshing to see the return of a random wife-beating country <laughs> yokel, even though, surprisingly enough, he didn't end up getting killed to death. Yes! Yes, yeah. we discussed this. <laughs> there were some genuinely creepy moments and enough suspense to uh, and intrigue to keep you watching. Great fun seeing multiple Doctors together for the first time and not too fan-wanky. Fair play. Mm. The interaction between Troughton and Pertwee was highly entertaining and not entirely based on fiction. Oh, uh, I can I can add to that actually. Was it, there proper friction in this fiction? <laughs> the, uh, apparently, they I don't think beforehand necessarily, but certainly following this, they became bosom buddies. And at cons at conventions, they would have they would basically reenact this. They would just oh. ad lib. They would I- improv. Scenes of, uh, well, the same kind of banter that we get uh, in the serial. Oh, I thought Arthur was saying that the, the like, tete-a-tete they have isn't based on fiction, as in they, they, would, they genuinely had some animosity. Oh, I see. No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't think so. Arthur, if I'm wrong, please just feel free to correct me. Anyway, Arthur goes on. Uh, I like the fight sequence with the dark side of Omega's mind. Really? I thought this was a nice touch. Really? <laughs> The sequence had a dream-like quality, and there was something strangely disturbing about the appearance of Pertwee's adversary. I will say, oh. just add, just po- popping in here, pardon me, editorialising, conceptually, love it. In terms of the execution, super confused. However, <laughs> however, when he does the, like, the, the, like, weird, um, dream sequence Omega, yeah. he proper goes for, like, the MMA-style choke-out, like, rear guillotine, <laughs> and they're like, shit, yeah, okay, that's some technique, fair play. Um... Yeah, they basically garrot each other mm. and do somersaults. Anyway, uh, Arthur goes on. In any case, I decided to adopt the same method of battling any people I come across that fancy their chances against the dark side of my own consciousness. Holy smokes. <laughs> I am unbeaten so far and have managed to hospitalize the bloke that scratched my car while reversing out of a little card park <laughs> and driving off. Oh, fuck that guy. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. All he in all... It. A fitting anniversary special and a season opener. I would like to give this serial a 3.8. Nice. Very good. Hit Excellent. all the major points there, Arthur. Excellent, well Minnie. Uh, next up, we got to speed through. we got a lot of these. Right. Matthew. Matthew, Matthew Dennison. Dennison. No, no, no. Matthew Dennison. <laughs> no, no, no. Matthew. <laughs> As a story, this 10-year celebration is only so-so. It looks cheap, 
which is weird for an anniversary yeah. story, we get the Brigadier reaching new depths of buffoonery. Yes. And although I liked Omega omega's look and the performance i never really bought the threat to the universe that he supposedly yeah, that he that uh-huh. he supposedly posed it was really difficult to read <laughs> <laughs> he supposedly posed but none of that matters since the spectacle of three classic doctors working together makes this amazing but we in Trouton have such a great rapport that i could watch these two polar opposites squabble all day and it was awesome seeing hartnell again it's a shame that ill health confined him to a small cameo, as I would have loved to see him berate his two predecessors in person, but at least he got to participate in the celebration of the show that couldn't have existed without him. Although in my fantasy rewrite, Ian and Barbara would have found the balloon in episode one with Ian instead of Ollis. That off. The oh, that's the country idea. bumpkin, isn't it? Yeah. Whist off to Omega Land and Barbara joining up with the doctors to save the day. That's a wonderful rewrite. Mm. Yeah, yeah, good one. Beyond the docks, Benton and Joe continued to be great, and Benton's reaction to entering the TARDIS was superb. But the characterization of the Brigadier really bugs me. Considering how readily he accepted everything in early Pertwee, his refusal to believe that he could be, that he could have left Earth is just dumb. Although if the plan was to write a character having a breakdown after seeing too much, then the writers are doing a good job. <laughs> Saying that, Corny is still great. Uh, for a story, I'd give it 2.5. For getting three Doctors in one helping, I'd give it 5, averaging out to a 3.75. Mathematical, like it. Yeah. And he ends with, And congrats, Who Back When, for reaching this Who milestone. Here's to the next 16 years of Classic Who. Ka-ching. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> thank you, Matty. Yeah, thank you very much. Can I just add, mm. there was an initial plan. This was, well, first of all, there was a completely different idea for this... Uh, episode, as in script-wise, mm. completely different idea, which I think was then later on repurposed for something, uh, I want to say something other than a TV script. But the idea was that the Doctors would team up against, wait for it, death. <gasps> death itself, as in in a genuine, like, Bill and Ted's, what's the second one? Bogus Journey. Bogus Journey, thank you. In a genuine Bill and Ted moment, they would team up against death, who was somehow trying to... I, I assume bring about the apocalypse. Yeah. Mm. And that was scrapped. That was step one. Step two, in an early version of this, some companions were meant to be part of this. Not Babs and Ian, but wee little Jamie mm. and what's her name? Polly. Polly. Yeah, oh, yeah Jamie and Polly. They were meant to be in this. And, nice. uh, As in Troughton esque. Exactly. And guess who was against it? Pertwee. In, in a sense, fair enough, because he said, no, 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 too many characters, it'll get muddied. Like, the waters will be muddied. But then again, you had a fucking poacher who was nonsensical, and you made no use of Joe as a companion. And the scientist, he wasn't needed. And the scientist, yeah. exactly. You can have, replace the scientist with Jamie, mm. or with Polly. Replace the poacher, actually, yeah, replace the scientist with Polly. Replace the poacher with Jamie. Perfect, right? And then have them cooperate with Joe. Makes they can sense. have their own side plot. I would happily watch a fifth episode with just them. Mm. Oh, anyway. Next up, Kyle Rath. Hello, Kyle! <laughs> Kyle writes, When space Donald Trump shoots off strange space lightning from his antimatter Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> Mar-a-Lago on the other side of the black hole, the fake news time lords <laughs> attempt to stave off the effects of the cosmic brain drain by sending the third doctor some fact-checking help in the form of his two previous incarnations to stop it. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> awesome. 
Carl goes on. Thus, the first multi-doctor story was born, and right in the time for the 10th anniversary of the show. Due to failing health, William Hartnell's involvement is sadly kept to minimum, as pre-recorded scenes intercut with the remaining action of the story. Would that time could have been kinder to old Bill. Still, a delight to see him one last time. Though what must have been a sheer force of will to conjure a peanut butter and jam sandwich just before getting zapped into the black hole, Omeka literally surrounds himself with both living and decorative generic blob monsters of the week and la- with laser claws as he bellows and gesticulates wildly in his very best fancy party mask. <laughs> One game warden with possible NARM flashbacks a scientist who very likely experiments with his own LSD, the disbelieving brigadier, and Sergeant Juicy Fruit Benton take along with Joe Grant and the two doctors on their wild ride through a space quarry. In the end, it's a lunchbox with a recorder in it that saves the day. Despite the rather simple story and some silly effects, this serial is very enjoyable, and if for no other reason than that Pertwee and Troughton soak up all the energy on screen, whether together or apart, a solid... 3.2 out of 5 for nostalgia. Wow. Were we a little bit too generous? No. I don't feel like we were. I feel great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good about myself. <laughs> if it weren't for all I of this... I give myself a 5.0. <laughs> if it weren't for all of this energy drink that I've consumed, <laughs> I would sleep soundly tonight. <laughs> i got to tell you, these, these Hawaiian uh, screwdrivers have been great. Oh, I really regret my choice of drink. <laughs> My eyeballs are vibrating. Uh, Kyle, uh, thank you so much. People can follow Kyle on Twitter. He is at Sinister Super Spy. That's super without any vowels. Next up is Peter Zunich. Zunich! Hello, what Peter. Up? What up, Pete? Uh, Peter writes, More aptly named the 2.5 Doctors, the story <laughs> has pacing issues. Or could it be better described as simply not having enough content to fill four episodes? Gasp. Possibly Gasp. there wasn't uh, there wa- just wasn't enough action and excitement throughout. After mm. all, firing monsters that barely move and wrestling in slow motion don't it doesn't make for a thrill a minute. Hmm. Whichever of these is the true culprit, the truth is that this story is rather dry. Interesting. Oh, I'm loving this. Mm. Peter goes on. Luckily, there's some sweet points to counter this problem. The three doctors at once is a glorious, bold move. We get more Time Lords in action, more lore, and the groundwork for how they will be portrayed going forward. They're brilliant, but not omniscient. They're squabblers, political, corruptible, and at times, forgiving. In the past, I watched this story as an old VHS copy recorded from a poor transmission. <laughs> what stands out in the restored version is the detail of the antimatter creatures in the bubble set city. Hmm. I went from hating these baby step definitionless masses to loving the colourful forms, especially in the eye which I was never able to see before. There's not much to rewrite here, Peter continues, but that's mainly because there's just not much here. Just a barren antimatter world that's apparently one foot higher than the regular universe. Add more character development and action and we'd really have something. As it is, we're left with some great fan service, but little more. This story rates a, now we know why he gave up the recorder, 2.4. Ooh, I like the dispassionate, that's nice. As yeah. in like the dispassionate uh, critique. Fair play, Peter. I think in a sense, Peter is just being way more honest and realistic than we are. Yeah, absolutely. Our judgment is clouded. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Thank you very much, Peter. Um, so next up. Next up, Trenton Bless. Trenton! You better get blessed. <laughs> Trenton writes, <laughs> The Three Doctors is the first in the line of multi-doctor stories and highly regarded by most fans as the, mul- as the best multi-doctor story ever. <gasps> I'm inclined to agree. <gasps> the Three Doctors themselves give a wonderful performance. Pertwee is as great as always. 
Pat Troughton slipped back into the role like a glove. Yeah. Like a glove. (laughs) (laughs) Very Jim Carrey of you. And though limited in his involvement, William Hartner was wonderful in the final appearance of Doctor Who before his passing in 1975. Hmm. What I really like about this story is that the Doctor's exile comes to an end. After three years stranded on Earth, for the most part, we can now get a full-blown travelling season, complete with Daleks and drashings. And, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't I? Perhaps I should talk about Omega first. Stephen Thorne's maniacal ranting does become wearing. Um, Although the suspense was killing, I'm sure as to what disfigured horror might lurk beneath the Grecian mask, and when nothing was there, I'm sure everyone was surprised. This story does have one tiny problem. It suffers from padding. This story has some bits where it can get a little boring at times and really uh-uh. can't take a bit uh, take a bit to get through. I mean, that bit in episode two where they were just waiting in the corridors is a fine example of it. However, the positive greatly outweighed the negatives here. As I said, this is probably the best multi-doctor story out there. Though not the best story ever told, it's definitely the finest television example of a multi-doctor adventure. 3.8 out of 5, hands down, says Trenton. Ladies and gents of Podcast Land, you can follow Trenton on Twitter. He is at Trenton Bless. That's Bless with two S's. Thanks, Trenton. Next up is Tracy from America. Hello, Tracy. From America. Hi, guys. It's Tracy. From America. <laughs> Some might say the Tracy, but Ooh. of course, that's absurd. I'm sure there's at least two other Tracys. Nice one. Nice. These old ones are always hard for me to review. I assume that these must be really good sets, props and effects, but sometimes it's hard to see them as anything but hopelessly outdated. Those red bubble creatures are very distracting, (laughs) as well as the technicolored scribbles. Oh, I like those. Tracy goes on, on the really fantastic side, I do love Troughton, and it was good to see him interacting with bagels again. And being in colour, Hardnell managing a short appearance was welcome. A shame he was so ill. Bagels is disappointingly stupid, but it does leave room for Benton to keep growing as a character. He's impressively on board with the concepts thrown at him. Here, here. Tracy concludes, What a tragic character we have in Omega, founder of the ability to travel in time, but repaid with a near eternity of solitude to drive him mad. I liked much of the concepts surrounding the antimatter universe. I could probably go on at length about the many interesting ideas, but I'm sure you already have. (laughs) So I'll stop here. Rating, Giant Golden Mask. Which is, I think, a really solid 4.5. I've had 4.5. Yeah. Because the giant, the giant bit makes me Oh, that's true. And golden. And golden. Golden. Uh, And mask? And mask. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the words Tracy wrote down. 4.5. Thank you very much, Tracy. Uh, Ladies and gents, you can follow Tracy on Twitter. She is at Yekotniatnuf. That's Fountain Tracy. Backwards. Holy smokerines and cheesecakes. Next up, we will be, I believe, dropping a new Who review. It will be of Vampires of Venice. And a classic Who, Carnival of Monsters. Ooh. The first TARDIS piloted episode since the uh, the War Games. Oh, my goodness. That sends shivers down I mean, my... We've been off world, but this is the first time the Doctor gets to pick. Yeah. It's the first time in a long since time. The war games. Yeah. That's, a, that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Cool, cool. In the meantime, people can follow you on Twitter, can they not? They can, and ukulele. Like ukulele, but with Nick. Sort of. of. (laughs) You can follow me as well. I am at Ponken. You know how to spell that. If you don't, just guess. (laughs) (laughs) Until the next time, be rad and excellent to each other. Rock on and cha-chao. 
Bonnui. <laughs> <laughs> Even if they're listening to this in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. Don't have any friends? No problemo. Tell some strangers. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you on Google Plus? Then find us on Google Plus. That's plus who back when. And when you do, tell us why you're on Google Plus. Who back when just got its very own Twitter account. No lie. So give us a follow. You guessed it. That's at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on SoundCloud, vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can leave a comment, submit a review of your own, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Not only would it make us super chuffed, and it really, really would, but as thanks, we will transmigrate your iTunes nom de plume into the credit list of trailers for fake Doctor Who audiobooks produced by Who Back When. Have a poke around our bonus episodes to make more sense of that. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next classic Who review, new Who review, or <laughs> still funny audio Who review. Cha ciao. Who back when?